0: back on the Exit 52 podcast. It is Friday, December 22nd. My name is Jake Luke. We're officially in winter and it's officially uh, it's officially Christmas. It's right around the corner coming up here on Monday. That is when the Ravens will be taking on the 49ers on Sunday night. Uh, here to break down that game for you uh, ahead of the matchup. Uh, but first things first, my name is Jake Luke. I'm joined by Spenny Claus with the fresh haircut. You know, got, got all sorts of stuff going on over there. How you doing, pal? Doing
1: quite well, got a nice little cut for the holidays, a little bit more high and tight and clean, feeling good. Really excited for this game, was able to break down some tape, have a little cut up that if you're watching on YouTube, you'll be able to see. I'm going to try to describe it as well as I can, but definitely works best on YouTube and just excited. Holidays are in full effect, ready for the next week or so here, a little bit beyond to roll on in. I'm excited that we've had such a nice year. I'm excited that we're still doing our thing and very appreciative of all of our listeners that have kept with us and continued to have a lot of fun and couldn't ask for a more exciting matchup on a more exciting day or night, I should say, and a Ravens team that has been playing so well and probably exceeded expectation. We got into that with Glenn Clark a little bit when we went in 105.7. Has this team exceeded expectation or not or right on par? And uh, it's it's a, a fun conversation we did have with him, but just a lot to be thankful for around this holiday season. Hopefully everyone is going to have a happy and healthy holiday. We wish that to all of our listeners and excited to keep doing this thing, man.
0: Yeah, feeling it too. Been a very, very fun year. You know, So a little bit of uncertainty as uh, the year kicked off there with everything that happened with SB Nation. And obviously uh, grateful to uh, to them and all those great years there. But yeah, it's been fun doing our own thing. Building this thing kind of uh, from the ground up, out the dirt, as you will, and for all the support that's come through, it is uh, it's very much appreciated. So we're very thankful for all of that, and thankful for a fun season. To your point, um, I think we both might have said met expectations a couple weeks ago. I feel like I'm in the exceeded stage at this point. Like just the way that uh, way that they've carried themselves really is kind of the big uh, the big winner for me. I mean, the wins are amazing, sitting there at eleven and three, already having clinched a playoff spot before Christmas. It's fantastic, uh, and kind of a welcome welcome difference from the last couple of years where they were just kind of fighting and clawing to get in the playoffs. They didn't even do it in 2021. So the fact that they're already here is very nice. And uh, I think they've exceeded my expectations vibe wise. I'm just going to keep heaping praise on Roquan Smith for the, the vibe shift that he's brought to this defense. You know, he's gifting them the uh, Versace something or other in the, uh, the, uh, the locker room there, custom Versace things with Dafe and beaks and everything kind of printed on it. That was great to see. Kyle Hamilton getting all sorts of national love. We talked about him on the jumbo set this past Wednesday. Uh, that was great to see, and just overall, yeah, it just seems like things are uh, things are kind of peaking here. Heading into what people, a lot of people are saying, uh, matchup of the year. Obviously, it doesn't have a ton of import playoff wise for either team, but you know, it's a it's a good measuring stick, the best one you could ask for. I think if you're either team.
1: Well said, and I do think that. Uh, the Ravens have done a good job not giving any bulletin board material, but I feel like they have to be quite confident in themselves. We see Mike Florio. I listened to him and Chris Sims, little six-minute preview that was on their YouTube, and Florio says that he thinks the 49ers should be 10-point favorites and things like that. And, and hey, I kind of get it here. I go look back at the 49ers' schedule. They start out a little bit rough, and then they whoop the Steelers. They've whooped the Giants. They whoop the Cardinals. They whoop the Cowboys 42-10. They lose Trent Williams and Debo Samuel. They drop three straight against three tough defenses. The Bengals do let up a lot of explosive plays, but Luana Rumo had something in his bag for them. And see the 49ers struggle against the Browns and Bengals to AFC North opponents that the Ravens are, of course, so familiar with. They whip the Jaguars 34-3. They whip the Seahawks uh, 31-13. They play... 12-10 12-10 against the Seahawks. That game was 28-16. I do feel like it was a little closer. Uh, so they've now rattled off six straight wins, and then they go put up a huge DVOA number against the Cardinals in a 45-29 to win there, which was an interesting watch. That's really the the one I focused on. I got into the Seahawks game a good bit here. Uh, but the Ravens are no slouches, man. When you go look at NFL point differential, I mean, the Ravens have those games too against some of those even same opponents. The Ravens, of course, sitting at 11-3. and three, And the 49ers sitting at 11-3. and three, And let's see what it is here. The 49ers, I think, are number one now. The Ravens have dropped down a little bit, but let's not act like this is some huge differential. The 49ers have a 191-point differential. The Ravens, 159 there. And the Ravens have played some pretty good teams. So uh, when you go look across all these different metrics, all these different stats, these teams do line up, I think, pretty well in terms of, on paper, And you go look. Oh, what's the 49ers' weakness? People like, oh, their run game's a little susceptible. What's the Ravens' defense's weakness? Oh, the run game's a little susceptible. So many similarities in these teams. Uh, As you go down through, kind of reading all the the newspaper clippings here, the spread five and a half to the 49ers. The money line, or excuse me, the over/under is 47 in this game. You go check out the injury report. The 49ers have Eric Armstead listed as questionable still. Javon Hargrave listed as questionable. Lenore, the nickel there, questionable with a torso injury. They did lose Hafunga, the really explosive safety, uh, to IR, I believe, for the year, if I'm not mistaken. And then when you flip on over to the Ravens injury report, Mark Andrews, of course, out. Odell Beckham, questionable. The only Raven that really isn't practicing at this point on the active roster is Odell Beckham, uh, who has an injury of other listed and I did see him on Sunday night we all saw him massaging the back of looks like his Achilles area with a massage gun could have been ankle could have been calf could have been Achilles all of those things are in the same train so when you go look there uh, they are hopeful to have him but you know I feel like in this game he's not good to go you're just shy of the playoffs don't go don't go push that one and hey I'm not a doctor I'm not on the Ravens training staff but I hope that's the sentiment and that's what we've seen this year so yeah you're no David Jake Chow could be I could be one day
0: honestly honestly really yeah hard. you you really could be so could I
1: if I had the desire to really be an aggregate medical account I think I'd do a good job in, in comparison yeah I think if so. I had the desire the other news we get today is that the uh, the Ravens are playing at 1 p.m much to your delight and much to my chagrin on New Year's Eve they end up sticking there. And so, of course, I have people saying, "Oh, you tweeted that you heard a rumor <laughs> that NBC." Well, I'm just like, "Give me a, give me a break, man. I don't care. I don't care. I'm getting, I'm getting thicker skin with the the rumors and stuff. I'm really starting to not care that much." I'm you still, did. I'm I mean, that was away. that was
0: masterful work by you to to throw the disclaimer in there. You are getting better at that too.
1: Of course. I mean, what they blocked out rooms, so use your use your head. If they blocked out rooms, if you book a like hotel for yourself, are you not able to cancel? I mean, it's also like even if you can't cancel and you have to pay, I don't think NBC Sports is. Uh, really out of their pocket hurting from, you know, canceling a room block at the Pendry in Baltimore. So uh, Pendry's expensive, but NBC has a lot of money too. So they'll be playing at one o'clock, which I I also just love in this, and we'll get into the 49ers and Ravens more, but I love the people that are like, oh, good. Now my New Year's plans are good to go. It's like, what, are you going to see the ball drop after you start drinking at 10 a.m.? If you're tailgating for a Ravens game, are you staying up and seeing the ball drop? I might not make it.
0: And I'm crazy
1: in the head. Maybe, so.
0: I mean, maybe some people are not planning their day around the Ravens game. Uh, you know, like I, I get, it. I'm, uh, I don't I'm, understand.
1: I, I don't subscribe to that. I don't understand how you could go to the game and not make that your day. If you plan on going already, how is your day? Not kind of centrally themed around that. It doesn't make sense. I guess Most I get that, but don't I'm live in the I, city. What are you going to drive? You're going to drive into Baltimore park tailgate, maybe not tailgate, not everybody tailgates, leave the stadium that's a six-hour, seven-hour experience. Like most people, I think drive from within an hour or forty-five minutes or so. So I, I just don't know how it wouldn't be the central. I get it if you're watching on TV. I get it. I get all of that. And whatever. which which but, I
0: am, which I am. Like I, I'm gonna have. To. I,
1: I get it for you. And everybody's got their own reasons and all that stuff. I just think that this Dolphins team sucks in prime time, and I think the the Ravens play really well in prime time and turn the heat up on them. Man,
0: listen, if I had a different uh, lot in life, I probably wouldn't have been like you know clamoring to pay a hundred dollars to go to the Charles and, you know, drink some shitty Andre uh, with the, uh, with the fellas there. My plans might've don't call, been, a, don't call your dad shitty. Well, no, he's the good Andre. I'm talking about the, uh, the champagne. Um, I'm it, kidding. Yeah. I'm pulling your leg. Uh, yeah. But just to clarify, but yeah, no, I, I, I get the consternation, all that stuff. But for my purposes, it worked out pretty well. I mean, hopefully it did. I still got to get to a hotel and everything. So I'm probably going to be scrambling a little bit uh, the, in the afternoon, get my tuxedo ready, black tie, of course, um, and yeah, it, you know it's it's going to be a fun day either way though. 1 p.m. Everyone go have your fun. Then you can partake later or not. Do whatever you want. This just leaves some room for flexibility, which I think is nice.
1: I think 4:25 would have been a really nice spot.
0: That's fair. But again, that that, that might gives have, you mobility before and after. 4:25 might have been even worse for me because the ceremony I think is at like six, so I would have been mm. in the ceremony with the phone out, which you know that definitely not a good look. But mm. yeah, this worked out okay.
1: Yeah, I did that with an Orioles playoff game. It was outdoor. I had the phone between my feet on the ground, sunglasses on. And the bride actually said, she was like, were you watching the Orioles game? I think I saw you. I was like, oh, of course the bride had to see. Like, how how are you picking that out of the crowd? I wasn't, I wasn't obvious. I was doing like a bottom, not a side eye, but like a bottom eye through sunglasses. We were facing the sun. Like, how did you... How did you see
0: that? I like these people with their weddings. Like, I get it. It's your, your special important day, but like, sometimes people just want to watch sports. You know, you're just going to have to deal with that too. And like, I'm there, I'm supporting you, but guess what? You know, I, you know, I
1: I, 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 I get it. I get it. I'm I'm not the most important person there by any means. So selfish move by me, but I digress. This matchup, to me, as I I guess to hop into it and thoughts and all of those good things, I had some things written down that didn't format correctly when I trans them over to our little private chat here. But uh, first thing I wrote down when I'm watching, I mainly watch their offense. I think their defense has a lot of similarities to the Ravens. But I wrote down Christian McCaffrey maximizes every single yard. He's always fighting. And I wrote down, and I know you like this because I put it in the notes and you called it out. But said he's like a little Humvee. And he doesn't... Overdo anything. He is very much in control. He's a little older now. He still has bursts, though. I think he's a rare and unique athlete in so many ways. That's why he got drafted so early. It's why he's been so productive throughout his career when he's been quote unquote healthy, which, hey, you know, I think some spats of that could have been him saving himself for later on a really crappy Panthers team. But fights for everything. He'll hurdle, he'll jump. He is a little piece of iron. I talked about Rocky Balboa last week. He is like a physical. Rocky Balboa. He is that piece of iron that, you know, you can hit him. He pops right up his, uh, his famous celebrity girlfriend, fiance, whatever she is posting bruises of him all the time. Olivia Culpo. She
0: was with, uh, Amendola all those years ago when the Patriots were Mm. winning super bowls, draw you join the dots there. You know, she's just trying to get into that, uh, that race bowl that
1: will Compton (laughs) has been getting into from Rashard Mendenhall. One of the
0: more, one of the more hilarious, just public messy breakups of all time. Amendola, some regrettable tweets over that, that period. Love to see it. Love to see it. So McCaffrey does whatever it takes. He plays behind his pads, all those good
1: things. And I'll get into the tape here in a little bit. But what I wrote down, and I know that I think Joe Burrow is becoming the new Tony Romo. And I think that Joe Burrow was even comped to Tony Romo by a lot of people. It just reminds me of Joe Burrow when I'm watching Brock Purdy. And what I wrote down is that defenses are scared of his weapons. And if you play them scared, they will eat you up underneath. He'll make some mistakes under pressure. He has the seventh most Turnover wor- or the seventh highest turnover-worthy play percentage in terms of passing the football. He produces a turnover-worthy play on five point seven percent of pressured dropbacks, which is pretty high. There, um, he has also had quite a bit of interceptions dropped over the last couple of years. Not, it's not some crazy thing, oh, Brock Purdy has drop picks. He stinks. No, but he has. So, what I have written down is that. If he makes that mistake, and I'm going to get into some of those things, but if he makes that mistake, you have to make him pay. You can't drop an interception. You can't let him get out way from you a little bit. So, uh, What I'll pull up in a second, but... They just do such a good job. Teams are scared of them. Teams don't want to play man on Brandon Ayuk. To be honest, Debo you know, is fine against man. He's much better against zone, which is why he's been eating up so much lately. And Ayuk's kind of you know, fantasy points-wise taking a little step back since Debo's been healthy. But teams are playing a lot of zone. And Kyle Shanahan, and this is what I think is so controversial when you watch, Kyle Shanahan has training wheels on. To the nth degree, a couple things I had written down are that every single time you see two motions, the 49ers will go motion across, identifier of coverage. Then they'll do a second motion to the other side of the field so that it's like, hey, buddy, here's the coverage. And then here's also the specific coverage on that side of the field. You can see if they expand. You can see that if a DB becomes a point man, meaning towards the line of scrimmage and two behind, If you see two motions that are kind of at the line of scrimmage and not involved in the run, it is always a pass. Uh, Something else that I think is just so funny that I've come back to a couple times in the last couple years is that Trent Williams tells you what the play it is. I mean, if he's in a pass set, they're throwing the football like 80% of the time. Uh, And he's been asked about that. I think that's throughout the entire NFL, though, but he's someone that specifically, like someone two years ago was like, oh, Trent Williams stinks. He gives the play away. Teams know if you're running or throwing the ball for the most part. Um, Guys might freak out in their assignments, but most of the defense knows what's coming. And so often, you know, Kyle Kyle Shanahan wisely uses those training wheels to give Brock Purdy answers. Why wouldn't you for any quarterback? Like, and I know Peyton Manning is really against this. He's like, line up and play, go fast. Don't give them, you know, don't take away from your concept by, you know, taking a guy out of it. All of those things, I firmly disagree with that. Uh, and maybe that has to like that's the Peyton Manning Tom Brady quickly becoming old heads thing of like, in my day, we didn't need motion. It's like, congratulations, your life would have been easier if you used it. And Manning wants to do other things, he has you know more logic on that. But, um, you know, they, they always talk about that on Manning castes. Other thing I'd written down was we see Sam Darnold come in this game against the Cardinals, and it's like Purdy also reminds me of exactly what Sam Darnold was supposed to be, he's a little athletic. He can float the ball with some touch. He doesn't drive the ball you know, downfield with a ton of velocity. He's more in that burrow category of touch. Uh, but I just thought it was interesting that when Darnold came in that game, he throws one to George Kittle with a little more zip behind it than Purdy does, and it hits off Kittle's hands and he drops it, and Kittle like smacks himself in the head. So these guys are very timed up with Purdy's arm and things like that. So uh, really is just... And we saw Patrick Queen. I was talking about this with you earlier. Patrick Queen, I think, tweeted about the Dolphins. Someone showed a clip of the Dolphins running like Tyreek in motion. And Patrick Queen retweeted it, I think, and quote tweeted it and said, that's all just a bunch of eye candy. Do your job. Or something like that. That was not word for word. But uh, he deleted that tweet since. I know. And you said you saw that too, so I, I know I'm not going crazy. But that's what it is. And I feel like that's what Kyle Shanahan's offense is. They run a lot of the same stuff. They run tosses, boots, a lot of like simple two man, three man spacing type routes and they just mix it up. It's out of pistol, it's under center, it's out of shotgun. The tight end goes in motion one way, this way, that way, but it's a lot of the same core stuff. And if you get caught up in the eye candy, which it's really hard not to, That's when they toast you. That's when they get Debo in the flat on a motion where it looks like he's jogging and then he just stands on the other side of the field. The whole point of the play is that Debo is uncovered and you didn't go with his lazy-looking motion, uh, things like that. So we see some touchdowns there. and I think that's very different from the Ravens' offense where there might be less sequencing. Like I think the 49ers are chess and the Ravens are a little bit more like basketball like they want to run at you fast, they want to, you know, do their thing, they want to throw some different looks at you. The 49ers are like we are setting this up in the Cardinals game and a specific example of that is that the 49ers who I'm going to I'll I'll just pull up some of these plays and we'll take a look at them. I'm going to try and do this live for the first time, so hopefully this goes smoothly here. We gave it a little practice run
0: before. We got the edit. We've got movie magic on our side too. Movie magic. We're we're
1: doing it. So a couple of things that stood out to me overall, we'll get into the Trent Williams stuff I was about to talk about, but they love to come out and use use check. They love to go heavy. And the Cardinals started playing a lot of drop eight, what I had written down here, spacing. So we're just going to see. Cardinals are going to drop eight guys in coverage. Two of them are going to go with the receiver to the top of the screen, whoever that even is. I honestly don't even know. And then Debo Samuel's going to get his one-on-one and Purdy gets so many clean pockets because teams are scared to blitz. Teams are scared to rush fully. And we just see Debo get his one-on-one right there in the middle of the field. That's where the ball goes. You see two guys double up top and wherever you leave space or a one-on-one in space, that is where the football goes. It is the simplest, purest, smartest way to play football. That is why their offense is so successful. Debo on an in-breaking crosser over the middle of the field. I really like Purdy's footwork a lot. I think it is perfect. He finds his one-on-ones. He throws the ball to space. The kiss approach. Keep it simple, stud. Really like his footwork there. Really like his footwork there. You can just see, and I'll go a little slower. You can just see the rhythm of it. He doesn't get too tozy. Something we hear about Lamar Jackson. Just smooth. Just smooth. Gets to the top of his drop back. Hitches. Keeps his eyes steady. And then just gets the ball out. Gives a little ball pat. Puts it right where he wants. And he has a lot of precision. He is extremely accurate.
0: Yeah, you show him kind of driving on the ball there. He does have, and maybe you have some in here, but he also does kind of have the rainbow in the bag there. He can, you know, drop it over guys too. It does seem like he has more throws than people, you know, would maybe give him credit for, I think.
1: He is not a strong-armed guy, but he certainly doesn't have issues in any way as a result of that. Uh, He's not some Josh Allen, Lamar, Mahomes, whatever, but only those guys are. So it doesn't really matter. And again, Burrow, I think of Burrow. And a little bit of Darnold, too. Darnold probably has more of a hose than either of those guys, but um, it, it, ha- it it is touch. It is rainbow. It is timing, and that's what reminds me of Burrow. So here we see a similar three-man concept. You're going to see Kittle and then the two receivers to the same side are going to run an in-breaker. It's kind of similar. Uh, you're going to see Ayuk run a post corner, and then I think Debo is going to run an in-breaker, Kittle over top. And these are the mistakes Purdy makes, and these do show up. He is going to want to get this ball out right on time. And it should be playing a second here. He's going to want to get this ball right out on time. The DB to the bottom of the field that is lined up with Debo completely abandons Ayuk. He says, we've already seen this. So he's going to go break on it over top. There is no help to Ayuk. But Purdy already sees that matchup, the same one he already saw. The Cardinals made an adjustment. Ayuk now is running free towards the sideline. Clean pocket, rushing four, Trent Williams handling business. Almost picks this ball off. These are the things I'm talking about. There will be two of these a game, and you have to make him pay. He's in a clean pocket, forces the ball because of a read he saw pre-snap a little bit. Not that he doesn't go through his reads or anything like that, but man, you have to make him pay there. The Cardinals did it. Do you expect the, the, uh, the, do you
0: expect like the sim pressure kind of stuff to maybe throw him off of this a little bit? Because I'm not saying it's predetermined, but it does seem like he he gets an idea of where he wants to go with it, certainly.
1: I think that if you, if there is a team that can line up and play them and be aggressive, it has to be the Ravens. If they can't, no one else can. And you go look at the Eagles, they don't have those back-end players. They don't have Hamilton and Marlon Humphrey and Brandon Stevens that are physical yet technically sound enough. So are you going to win every matchup? No. I think this is a strength on strength in that environment. And... I think a lot of it has to do with what are you going to do to them on first down. If you They they want you to come out in base defense and throw the ball. Or they want to run the ball to the perimeter to Trent Williams' side, which we'll see here in a second. So we'll get into that. I'm, I'm going to finish these and let's get into it. But precision and confidence here. You see the motion. Come in. You see man coverage. There's 2 on 2 to the top of the screen. That's going to be man. And it's single coverage. This is the precision that I'm talking about with Purdy that you see with a Joe Burrow. You see with so many quarterbacks. All right, I've got single coverage. Brandon Ayuk, he puts it where only his guy can get it. Easy yards. If you play soft, if you play, like to your point, Jake, if you don't use sim pressure, if you don't blitz, they will eat you up. They are too good to play like Madden drop eight. It's like a good Madden player or a good chess player, as I'm saying. If you start setting up all your moves in the middle of the board, suddenly they're like ripping through the entire board at you.
0: Yeah. When I look at their talent and like you, you mentioned the window dressing, the eye candy, all this kind of stuff that they do schematically, but they also like, they have 11 guys, <laughs> maybe 10 sans Purdy. I, you know, no, no shade against them, but 11 guys who think, you know, when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil because I'm the baddest motherfucker in the valley. Like that, that's kind of what it reminds me of with some of these guys. I know they've got injuries on the offensive line. I know they're dealing with some issues, but like they have, they, they so have more talented. of
1: those guys to your point on an offense than anyone else. They have Williams, Kittle, Ayuk, Samuel, and McCaffrey. They have as five of a hardcore group of top of the world in their skill and their game that they play, like Debo's physicality, Ayuk's complete X receiver game, McCaffrey is a do-it-all back, and Trent Williams is a badass tackle than anyone else. So they, w- if you want to just play soft and one-on-one, you have to hope they mess up, and they don't often enough in those situations. So the next one here, goal line, like, This is what they do in goal to go. I I tried to skim through a bunch from three different games, both Seattle games I watched because I watched a lot of the Seahawks for the Ravens. They're just going to run a Texas route. And this is what I'm talking about with two motions. So we're going to see two motions. Trent Williams is in his pat set. Well, the first motion I I didn't include. You'll see it on the second angle. But they start expanding, and you see the linebackers start to expand. McCaffrey, oh, what is it going to be, a bubble screen? You can't expand and react. If you leave space, that's where the ball goes. And you'll see that on screen. It's going to be a Texas angle route to McCaffrey. If you expand, if you think you know what they're doing, you're not. You have to stay in your zone. You have to play to your leverage. You have to pass off. You have to get Purdy off. So if you get him off of his first read, and you see the defender, go, what, what happens here? The defender goes outside. So McCaffrey goes inside. And that is what I think Kyle Shanahan is going to do in this game. I think he's going to say, Ken Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen, and I'll just play this one through again. You'll kind of see that second motion I'm talking about here. It's always a pass play. Trent Williams in a pass set. They're throwing the ball. If you show them space, that's where they go with the ball. And that's an option route probably to a degree, but um, whatever you do, they will make you pay for. If you go outside, they're going inside. If you leave space over the middle of the field, the ball goes there. It is simple football. It is efficient football. And then on top of it, Um, I honestly, this is going to sound stupid, and maybe they chew the Ravens up. I was not crazy impressed with their run game. Just a couple last clips here, uh, and then we'll get back to it. But they have the ultimate FU. They have Trent Williams, and they have Kittle, and they have, like you said, I shall fear no evil. Like, I will walk in the shadow of the valley of death. That is in the run game more than it is in the pass game. They love to line up strong to... Trent Williams side, they'll do some YY stuff over there, the two tight ends to Trent Williams side. They'll go put Ayuk over there. They'll go put Debo over there, and they will run to the perimeter because we're going to watch Trent Williams just destroy a defensive end here. The leverage in that hole, look at that hole immediately that opens up on a perimeter run against a divisional opponent that knows it's coming. And they are technically better at blocking with leverage than anyone. This is the first play of the Seahawks game. Christian McCaffrey has like an 80-yard run. I guess it's probably a 70-yard run down to the 5-yard line. They are going to whoop your ass to Trent Williams' side. That is their ace of spades. That is their trump card. They're going to line up, and you have to go beat them there. I'm excited to see and Clowney maybe to that side. He usually, if I'm not mistaken, plays over the right tackle more so. But I would love to see Clowney and Trent Williams. And then I just put a second play on here. This is kind of the summation of all of those things, all of those different looks. They're going to run the same play. It's going to be an outside run concept to Trent Williams' side to the strength of their formation. It's out of pistol instead this time. The last one was from under center and I formation. But it's going to be the same numbers. They know it's coming. It's going to be a toss. And look at the leverage. The receivers know what shoulder to attack. It is good fundamental football. Like, the reason their run game is good to the outside is the reason that like a high school run game is good. The stock blocking on the perimeter, their receivers know how to manipulate the defender's body to create leverage, and that's just free yards. And that's, so, like,
0: that's all Shanahan, and you can continue, but that's all like Shanahan just knowing his guys, being able to relate to his guys and re- relay a message. One of my favorite clips um, of just like inside baseball talk recently is Mike McDaniel talking about that exact thing where he's like, I'm not going to motherfuck my receivers. I'm not going to like tell them that they have to do this or have to do this or they have to block. They're just saying, like, look, if you don't make your blocks, we're going to have less explosive runs. Like That's just a fact. So like, if we want to have explosive fucking runs, we need to have buy-in from all 11 guys out there. Um, and I think that shows through in the clips that you mentioned. We mentioned uh, before we got going um, here a couple days ago, Uh, sort of the single back stuff they do where they do the pitches on the inside runs. And he, I think McDaniel said that creates confusion because if you see a pitch, you automatically think it's going to the outside, but you pitch it, they're running in between the tackles that, that creates a little bit more confusion. So it's just, yeah, it's full total buy-in and uh, it reflects on, uh, you know, pretty much every run play that you watch with them.
1: Definitely. So I'm curious, you and I talked about this earlier. We heard when Harbaugh uh, during the bye week, you get back, what did you work on during the bye? And Harbaugh talked about, and of course they always say this, but he talked about, you know, advanced scouting your next couple of opponents. And I'm just excited to see what they have in the bag. What the Ravens MO has been, and the Ravens, you know, bad run defense, quote unquote. And, and guys have beaten them. They, they haven't been great. Their EPA, I think, per run is towards the bottom of the NFL and the filters I use uh, over the last like month. But the Ravens go with their th- their four-man front because they want more coverage defenders. They're okay letting you. Move the ball a little bit. If you want to run the ball at them, they're happy with that. They like that because they hope that they can stuff one and then you'll throw the ball. And then it's third and long if they get an incompletion and then they unleash that chaos of sim pressure and things like that. So uh, to me, I'm curious. The, the real question of this game on that side of the football is, do the Ravens match Kyle Juszczyk and George Kittle being the 21 personnel with base? which means usually Malik Harrison and Malik Harrison has been hurt and they like to put him in, in those three man uh, lines and come out that way. Or are they going to go with four man front? Those are the two questions I'm wondering, or are they going to stay in nickel and hope that, you know, Kyle Hamilton can make that difference. Uh, and I will say, we talk about eye candy and doing your job. I will say the flaw of Kyle Hamilton's game currently is over pursuing in the run game. He doesn't say, stay backside enough He needs to sit and stay. If the play is away from him and he's not doing his sniper behind the zone concept and go grab your ankles kind of thing, he will overrun and put a cutback lane. We've seen some big runs because of that. Uh, He doesn't have a good PFF run grade, and, and I can see why they do that. He does make enough impact plays that I think it somewhat cancels out, but they must be dinging those as more negative than those impact plays are positive. So I'm just curious, how do the Ravens match it? And I'm really excited for this matchup. 29th uh,
0: in, in defensive rush EPA in the last month for the Ravens. What would you say? 29th in defensive rush EPA the last month or so. Yeah,
1: it's been, it's been bad. It's yeah. been bad in terms of EPA. They've, they've given up some first downs and some yards. Then when teams get into the red zone, they switch. They go to a three-man front, meaning there's outside linebackers, and they'll have like Urban and Pierce and Jones, or Matabike and Pierce and Urban, or whatever it is. Um, and then they'll kind of shut down the run. We saw that against the Rams, for instance, who – Ran the ball on nine straight plays. The Ravens are like, all right, fine, run the ball. you get into the red zone, we'll take the runaway. And now we have an extra defender in the sideline in the back of the end zone to help. Uh, So that game is interesting to me. And it's just a game of do you take the cheese and do you out hit? And uh, the, the matchup I'm most curious about is especially like skill positions is Brandon Stevens and Brandon Ayuk. I find them to be remarkably similar athletes. And the way that they move to me is extremely similar. I think there's a similar amount of physicality in the run game and underneath and on screens and after the catch and tackling versus running through tackles. So I think that's a really fun matchup. He was wired this week getting this whole photography thing for the Ravens or whatever. But he played a great game last week. Uh, Zay Jones got him once. And I don't think Ayuk is like he, – he makes contested catches, but he's kind of like that – you know. I think he's kind of somewhat similar to Ridley. He's a really advanced route runner. They asked him to run advanced routes, and he's got way more juice after the catch. He's a little sturdier than that and maybe not quite as fluid like working back and stuff. So uh, Ayuk, I think, is... like if, I was t- if I'm building a team and I'm taking one of Debo, Samuel, or Brandon Ayuk, I'm taking Ayuk. I think he is a complete receiver that can win against zone, against man. I think that he's good after the catch. He blocks all of those things. So he's going to make a lot of money. I expect the 49ers to pay him. Um, he's, he's getting into his contract year situations here. So that matchup I'm really excited for. And then I guess the final frontier is like, again, what does football always come down to? Can you k- generate turnovers and not turn the ball over? Can you generate pressure? Can you avoid penalties and, you know, milk the clock? Like this is going to be the most those basics game possible. I feel like between these two teams that are so good. Feels like this is going to be a short game. I agree with that.
0: Clock's going to be running a lot,
1: I think. I agree with that, definitely. And it's strength on strength versus strength on strength. Two great pass defenses, two great rushing offenses, two defenses that want to both maybe concede a little bit. And I, I, we see Colin Coward here. I think Kevin Ostriker put it out. He's like, my top 10 players on, in the Ravens and 49ers game, eight of them are 49ers. I'll say controversially, I agree with
0: that. I kind of did too. Like I saw, uh, I think Ramey was having a little fun with that. Like I, you know, I, I I didn't totally disagree. I think like you, you could maybe disagree with the placement in some areas, but like man, they've got a lot of dudes, and they they I think are well deserving to be in that top ten. And the Ravens, he probably like, he probably dinged Purdy though because of the backwards hat thing.
1: Oh, definitely. Purdy barely
0: made the top ten. He might he might have been higher.
1: Definitely. And. I don't disagree terribly. Like, sure, throw Hamilton in there or something. Throw whatever. But the Ravens have way better depth. Like, that's how they've always been designed. And they do have Lamar Jackson, who I guess to flip over to the other side of the football, has played. And I I meant to look this up ahead of time, and I'm sorry that I didn't. But that interception last week was so stinky and so bad and wasn't on like a... It was just unnecessary. That's what made it so bad. And as we go back here... He's only thrown one pick in the last four games, and it was that. And it was just stupid. I think he's like, thrown two
0: because he had the one against the Rams, right? Uh did he? Yeah, he had one against the Rams.
1: I, I was looking at it in reverse. I'm sorry. I was looking from top He had one against the Jags, one against the Rams. So he's thrown two in the last month. He has not thrown a pick in, let's see here. What is that? Three, four, four out of the last. Nine, excuse me, five out of the last eight. I think he's been taking care of the football. He was fumbling so much at the beginning of the season too. Uh, the fumbles are down. He didn't fumble last week. He didn't fumble against the Rams. They had one against the Chargers, which was was that on the 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 was there a bad no that wasn't a bad snap. What was that one?
0: I'm trying to think. I think that didn't can't they have one? They had one uh, like down near the end zone, didn't they? Or maybe I'm misremembering. Feels like I, can't, was... I
1: can't even remember. He had one against the Chargers there. So in four of the last five games, he has not fumbled. The Seahawks got the ball out twice, and he had six in the first eight games. If you listen at press conferences, he keeps talking about that. Why did you not throw it here? Why did you do this? He said, you know, I wanted to take care of the ball. And I think that coincides with some of the, you know, we've been breaking down the deep ball and why is this not happening? Why is Zay – me asking the question, why is Zay Flowers not getting the ball? I think the, the main answer might be most of the time, like, he doesn't think he has enough time to throw it, and he doesn't want to fumble. So he's really trying to live to die another down. And everybody's like looking at Nick Bosa, who, hey, very well, maybe I would say tied for best or second best out of this group. But let's go back through who the Ravens have played this year. Josh Allen having an all-pro year for the the Jaguars. Aaron Donald doesn't quite count. Khalil Mack having an all-pro type year. Trey Hendrickson twice having an all-pro type year. Miles Garrett twice. He's the defensive player of the year this year. I mean, uh, Boye Mafé on the Seahawks, no slouch, made plays in that game. You go to the Lions, Aiden Hutchinson, who isn't in the same category as that guy, but it's not like he's a slouch either. TJ Watt, they've already seen once. Like, they have seen dudes. They have seen the who's who of dudes. They haven't seen Max Crosby. And I, I, I don't know who else. Who else have they not seen so far? So the idea that, Chase Young and Bosa, not to knock them, they are very good, but without Hargrave and without Eric uh, Armstead, it's not that different from what they've seen. So are those guys going to create pressure? Yes. Is Lamar Jackson good enough athletically to do what he did last week and improvise still? I think yes. So I think that because Ronnie Stanley was bad, we're like, oh, they're going to get destroyed. Trayvon Walker and... Josh Allen are not terribly dissimilar at all in terms of talent from Nick Bosa and Chase Young. So I don't think there's some new thing going on. And I guess to keep it on their defense, like Nick Bosa's outstanding. Chase Young's a talented player. Fred Warner and Roquan Smith are probably the two top inside linebackers. I think a lot of people would take Warner over Smith. They have uh, Ward, who's been playing crazy good football on the outside there. They've got a young safety who stepped in for Hafunga, Gere Brown, who's... You know, playing well, tackling well, stuff like that. But I mean, what they got, they got, if, if they don't have Hargrave and they don't have Armstead, they don't have some murderer's row defensively. That is kind of their murderer's row, was having those two guys. So if one of or both of those guys cannot go and they are playing coming back from injury and don't have, you know, a, how common is it that a player returns from injury and plays their best game? Pretty uncommon. So uh, that is a pretty big disadvantage. And, you mentioned the, the clock getting eaten up here. Sucks. Keaton Mitchell's down in this one. Sucks. That feels like that could have been that force multiplier that generates those couple field flipping plays that you need out of nothing. And it puts more pressure again on Lamar Jackson. But Justice Hill, Gus Edwards, Kevin Zeitler, Tyler Linderbaum, Pat Ricard eat up. Like go eat up. That's going to be the name of the game in this one. And how much is Lamar Jackson going to run? I don't know. He ran a lot last week. It's getting colder. Seems to be peeking into that. I kind of hope it's not the case. I don't want him peeking in that too early and catching a little ding-dong in his shoulder or you know somewhere around there. I still would rather see them lose this and keep him healthy than, of course, the vice versa. But he takes care of himself, so pull the ball, do some damage, and I think they will be able to run the ball in this defense.
0: Yeah, seventh and rush EPA over the last month or so. Um, yeah, I totally agree. I think that's got to be the, the formula. I mean the best offense or the best defense against a great offense is keep that great offense off the field. I mean, it's pretty, pretty basic sports talk radio stuff, but I think if you can establish a tempo, establish a rhythm with the running game, and if you can find a feel for what you're going to do with justice Hill, who I think is going to be critical down this stretch. You mentioned, you know, what are you going to get out of Melvin Gordon? Are you going to have to call up the funk man at some point? I kind of hope that they do go to that, um, but we'll see how Mel does out there. And then Gus, if you get yourself in position where this is a close game late, Lean on Gus in that fourth quarter, man. It is, uh, it has never done you wrong. I think back to that Pittsburgh game where they were down to Anthony Brown. They leaned on Gus. I think of games this season, uh, where they needed, uh, you know, they needed three yards. You give it to Gus, you get four yards. Just lean on Gus in that fourth quarter if you've got a close game and just let the chips fall where they may. Cause we keep mentioning it, it's not that important of a game overall. But, you know, if you can walk out of this thing feeling good about yourself, I think that's a win in and of itself. So, yeah, I, I really want to see something good out of this running game. And I think they'll be. I think they'll be kind of itching to, uh, to go out there and kind of do it for Mitchell. I think all those guys are uh, really sad to have lost him. Obviously, great young kid, great story. And, uh, you know, I think if they do get a win, they'll be walking out of there kind of, you know, saying this one was for Keaton.
1: I agree. And as you go look at the 49ers run defense this year, the teams that have at least put up yards on them, the Cardinals last week ran for 234. They were able to get going. Why is that? probably because there's a mobile quarterback involved and they don't have Hargrave and Armstead. The next two teams that kind of hurt them were both games that they lost. The Cleveland Browns ran for 160 on them, and that was with no Nick Chubb. And the Cincinnati Bengals, who also beat them, put up 31 on them, ran for 134. So what I wish I would have done in prep for this is go watch those two performances, and maybe I will. Uh, Yeah, I I don't think you
0: did enough prep on this one. You probably should have done a little more.
1: This is the game of the year. I didn't do enough. This is the this is the game of the year. Like this is the matchup we've been waiting for. This is the matchup when we have the settlement on that he's like the Ravens are favorited until Christmas Day. So I could have done more prep. I do feel like I've watched a good bit of them, not enough like as in just general football viewership on TV. But those are the teams that hurt them, and you know those teams. I'm gonna assume that Munkin, Harbaugh, everyone involved, Willie Taggart. Joe D. those guys are going to go see what the Browns and the Bengals did to hurt those teams because you're familiar with those offenses. And the other thing I do want to get off my chest, and I have said it before, but if not now, when is a better time? Kyle Shanahan, I'm going to say, is a top 10 defensive coach in the NFL. Sure. And we don't hear him talk about it. Uh, maybe mind is a better word to use. Why is he so good? Because he knows what to do. Like His offense is the epitome of putting a defense in conflict. So conversely, what do you then understand how to deal with conflict as a defense, what not to do the yin and the yang? I, again, for the millionth time, I hate the notion that offensive coaches don't know defense and defensive coaches don't know offense. They spend more time thinking about defenses than they do offenses. Special they teams know coaches don't know anything. That's true. Yeah. John Harbaugh has no idea about any of those things. So yeah, he couldn't even be in this podcast. He has no idea what he's talking about. Uh, <laughs> so Go look at those games. Go see what they did. I, I mean, I know those run games. The Bengals run a lot of man gap. And the Browns run a lot of wide zones. So I think there's probably some things you can take away there. And if Javon Hargrave and Eric Armstead don't play, my favorite question is, okay, well, then who plays? Not that question, but after that, who are the backups to the backups? Javon, Har- or Javon Kinlaw is going to play who, hey, he is crazy athletic and so you know talented. They drafted him. He's had some injury problems. But in this one, when you go look at it and you go flip over, it's like, okay, well, they're going to be starting Kinlaw and uh, and again, I watch way more of their offense than I did their defense, but they're starting Kinlaw and Givens. Kevin Givens out of Penn State, who is 6'1, 285 and is, you know, not putting up crazy numbers. He's a pass rushing kind of guy, built, I guess, kind of like J- Justin Matabike, a little bit more so. And then go beyond that. I mean, who are they trotting out there? I have no idea. Those are the guys you want to get on the field. Those are the guys that if you are trapping them, I'm going to go try and take a read here, looking at their depth chart. Let's see. Defensive linemen. They've got Kalia Davis is on IR. Ty McGill has played 29 snaps. He has the worst PFF grade I've ever seen, 28.1. Mm. And they don't have anyone else. with. I, I don't know who they have. I know that 49ers fans are like begging for Indomitian Sue right now. Oh, great job pulling it up. Love that. Uh, begging for Indominic Sue right now. So, Ravens fans also want him, but the 49ers are in a worse spot than the Ravens are up front. The Ravens are healthy. They just are like, oh, our run defense hasn't been great. We'd like Sue. So, run the ball down their throats, run downhill. If you can trap backup tackles in the game with tempo, going no huddle, do it. Go no huddle and run the ball. You don't have to go fast. You can just keep them on the field, not let them sub. And Get those guys on the field. Don't let them get off. Run the ball down their throat. And that's kind of been the name of the game for the Ravens. It's like, it's not as clean. It's a lot more random and more. I'd say the Ravens run more concepts than the 49ers do. And the 49ers run more variations of the same concepts. So conflicting there. But if you can trap them on the field, attack them. They've got Tashawn Gibson on the back end, who's a very nice veteran safety. And Jair Brown, who's a very nice kind of, what I've seen on tape is that he comes up, he tackles really well in space. He's a very nice, disciplined young guy. They don't have a lot of speed. They don't have a lot of, you know, they keep things in front. They, I'll go over some of the numbers in a minute, but trap them on the field, tire those guys out, then hit play action on them. They defend play action well. You know, run downhill at Fred Warner, run downhill at Dre Greenlaw. Um, defensively, like I said, I feel very like they're very similar. Very similar. Linebacker-centric, protect their corners, and, you know, they simulate some pressure, they stun a fair amount, things like that, but go make some plays.
0: Yep, definitely. I think uh, it's, it's really just a heavyweight fight in every single respect. And yeah, I mean, are are you going to go no huddle and put Ricard out there and kind of keep Ricard in there that could maybe create some weird matchups and how are you going to, how is that going to affect the passing game necessarily? But you could also use him as that extra, you know, blocker along the line as we've sort of been, you know, begging for a little bit, maybe even get him involved, uh, you know, to an extent he hasn't been as involved in the passing game this year. So a lot of different things you can do, and I hope they're ready for it because, like we've been saying all night, they're absolutely going to have their hands full, and uh, it's going to be a fun watch, man. I'm very excited for this game.
1: I think this is a really fun Pat Ricard game. I think this is like, Pat Ricard can be a difference maker he's a, in this you game. Know,
0: you know what game this is that we're not talking about? I mean, this is like the Pat Ricard, you know, he, he's got to prove that he was the one instead of check. I think that's definitely going to be in his mind.
1: This is the uh, the battle for the better All-Pro in the first fullback All-Pro. These are going to be the two All-Pros. Alec Ingold down in Miami, I think is leading Ricard in Pro Bowl voting. I feel like the Dolphins fan base is just having a big surge right now. So, that, you know, whatever. But uh, those should be the two All-Pro fullbacks. I would expect that to be the case.
0: No doubt. So, yeah, I mean, I really ho- I do hope we get a lot of that because this is going to be kind of uh, we talk about this wide open NFL and all that kind of stuff. And there certainly is a lot of that from both of these teams, but both these teams have the personnel and definitely the scheme uh, and the philosophy at times to play a little bit of a throwback style. So it's going to be interesting to watch from that perspective too.
1: I'm actually wrong here. So uh, I, I like to pull up, I've read these off a good bit. 49ers defense blitzes 17% of the time league average is 28. Mm. They do it on passing downs. 19% of the time league average is 31. They simulate pressure 3.5% of the time. They are, Tied for the third lowest rate of simulating pressure. The Colts have not simulated pressure once this year, actually. Good old Gus Bradley sticking his guns up there. Doing a nice job, too. Um, Stunt percentage around league average. They stunt 18.7, league average 18.8. On passing down, slightly lower there. So, what have the Ravens dismantled so far this year? Teams that don't mix it up defensively. And again, I don't think the Ravens, I don't think the Ravens are like necessarily out-talenting the 49ers defense without Hargrave and, and Armstead. Maybe you give them the nod, but that hasn't worked. <laughs> Lamar Jackson will chew that up. You can't just rush at him. And what they did against the Eagles was the very 2020 don't overrush Lamar Jackson thing. The 49ers against the Eagles this year just slow, low geared, came off the ball. Kept Hurts in the pocket. And if you go watch like the NFL's actual preview, they have that guy that narrates it that talks like this. Oh, ho, ho, ho. You, The big present for the Ravens this year, or the big present for NFL fans that's sitting in the corner after you've opened all the smaller ones is at night. It's the 49ers Ravens. That guy. Um, love that guy. Love that guy. Love that guy. But if you try to do that, Lamar Jackson will embarrass you. He is too athletic. Jalen Hurts is much different. He is a stronger, thicker, shorter, stocky guy that does not have the wiggles. Like he cannot, he doesn't have the sauce like that. He's got a touch of sauce like just a smidgen. He's
0: more like shrugging guys off, I feel like. Lamar can do that a little bit, too, but like he he's more just like that first tackle. He's like a power back. He's yeah. like a
1: one-cut power back. He's like a Gus Edwards versus a Devon
0: A-chain or like... Which is
1: exactly, literally,
0: that's what he was at Alabama. That's how Nick used him and then he went to go play under Lincoln Riley and he got some more tools in his belt there, but...
1: Definitely. 100%. Well said. So, do that. Go ahead and do that. I don't think that turns out well. And... <laughs> The Ravens, you know, in terms of offensive tackles, like Todd Munkin is not Greg Roman. He's going to leave those tackles on an island a touch more. They're platooning guys. We've talked about that ad nauseum. We don't have to get into that. But like I said, man, they've dealt with it already. So I would be a little surprised if the 49ers think they can do that. But man, I I really do think. and, And the Browns, I think, in that game had what? Dorian Thompson Robinson starting. Yeah, and I think he probably did some nice things. So I'm gonna go watch that game. I'll post some stuff on Twitter, maybe or YouTube. So look out for that. I'll go check out what the Browns did and had a nice day running the ball. That might
0: have have been the PJ Walker game, actually.
1: Might have been. You might be right. Mobile as well. Not quite as Dorian Thompson Robinson, but Robinson. But uh, gonna go watch that one. See what they did. So I don't know. I think that this is such a good game. Either way, this is just a great litmus test. I'm going to get really into this one. I'm already fired up about it. But if the Ravens lose this game and it's not. I'll go ahead and say, like, I don't think they're going to get embarrassed. When do they get embarrassed? When does Lamar Jackson get embarrassed on prime time? The the one time against the Dolphins on a short week and whatever the hell was going on, they were all hung over or something. You can see it.
0: Um, that was still so, that was still a close game, too. I mean, you know.
1: Yeah, exactly. That was the one 2 score game. And it was a one score game until like 15 seconds left in the game. Yeah. So I expect this to be close. I'm my thing I'm doing. I'm teasing the Rams right now. We're about to play. Sorry, it's too late. Maybe I'll throw another one. I'm teasing the Ravens. I don't think they're going to lose by 10 points. The seven points on there throws a 12 and a half. So do a six and a half point teaser to 11. And I'm probably going to, I'm teasing the Rams and I'll, I'll probably do some others. So you can find those picks on press box online, uh, all that stuff on game day. But man, I see opportunity here. Uh, Ward is a really nice corner. I will say he is a very nice corner and he deserves more love. Graded out a
0: uh, 83.26 best corner in the league by PFF.
1: Uh, that, well, that makes sense. Yes. He's, he's playing some football uh, and he stepped up. There's more pressure on him because Ufungo went down and Lenore, Lenore nice is kind
0: of solid too. I know he, I think he's been pressed into action a little bit as well, but he's, you know, he's 32nd, which is fairly solid for corners. 71.4 grade.
1: Definitely. And they've, they've done a nice job. Again, they have a nice defense. There's a reason why Kyle Shanahan's defensive coordinators always end up getting jobs after. So, uh, their coordinators in this one, who we have not touched on. They have, I believe, what is it? Steve Wilkes on the defensive side of the football. believe so. And who's their OC? I don't even know.
0: I always just assume it's like Shanahan running all of that, but they definitely do have one. I mean, but
1: they have like, was Slowick the OC or something? He's, I think he's he was something.
0: passing game coordinator. I could be wrong. I know, I think McDaniel was the coordinator when he was so there. But they
1: have Chris Forrester,
0: who... Is that the guy has, from Miami who had the unfortunate video come out?
1: I believe I believe so, yes. Babe, <laughs> this is for you. I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Steve <laughs> Wilkes. And then, yeah, you're right. They don't really have an OC. Yeah, you're right about that. They have Patrick Hedron, who's the... Assistant to the head coach, Leonard Hankerson, from back in the day. I think he was a. Yeah, he was wide a player, receiver. right? Yeah, yeah, he was a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Offensive clock control. I don't know. It doesn't say more but much about him overall. Um, yeah, he was on the New England Patriots, the Buffalo Bills, the Falcons, all that stuff. Hankerson, I remember Hankerson.
0: Yeah, Lenny Hankerson. That. Yeah, he was. I think he was a slot guy.
1: Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, he was fun. So. Curious about this one. Big game for Mike McDonald. This is uh, this might be the Mike McDonald head coach or not game. Could be. If he puts on a show against that offense, then he's, he's going to get a lot of buzz. And there's going to be some owners that are watching this game. or hearing about this game. And if the Ravens go hold the 49ers to like 20 points or under, and uh, especially if they win this one, I would expect this, this sends him into the stratosphere is gone. So... Don't root for that, you sickos. You want him to leave cuz he was so good and wins a Super Bowl this year, but curious to see what he can pull out of the bag and I don't know. These are and I'm going to say this and it's going to jinx them, but these are the games Harbaugh wins, right? Like maybe not. And I know Jack always says like traditionally the Ravens don't win these games or something. I feel like that's BS. They would they've beaten Brady. They beat Brady. They beat really good teams a lot and the Steelers have given them trouble, you know, whatever. That's that's the whole thing
0: with John, right? It's the high ceiling, but then the floor can kind of fall out a little bit. He rides these emotional roller coasters sometimes, and, you know, we had our our belly aches about that earlier in the season, but thus far, he's tightened it up, and I could see this very much being the game that he gets these guys up for. Even if Beckham, you know, they hold him out, which I think might be the smart move, as they've done all year, kind of stick to your plan there, but, yeah, I think you're right. I think this is the game that you have this motivational type of guy for who's you know going to rally the guys and we'll see what the outcome is but i do expect it to stay competitive.
1: Jameson Hensley asked John Harbaugh, "This is only the second time this team has not been favored and been underdogs. Will that be used in any of the messaging with you this week?" Harbaugh, "It was mentioned. It was mentioned, sure."
0: Kyle Hamilton had some thoughts too.
1: He did. He said we're the best team in the league. And that's what i like. He, Kyle Hamilton's such a good dumb jock. He's yeah. the perfect dumb jock. Like He's like, I'm confident in us. There's
0: no reason we can't beat Century High. That's a guy who, like, nothing has ever gone wrong in that guy's life. Like, he just, he, there's just no reason for him to think that, you know, anything is going to ever go wrong. And that's great. I, I hope. He's
1: not the best.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like, I hope it, like, I hope Notre
1: Dame lost. Notre Dame lost and was, like, ranked eighth, and that was, like, the worst.
0: Yeah, what is it? You said he's 21, 22. I mean, like, he, like, yeah, he. I, I wouldn't say he's never faced adversity, but like, rel- we're talking
1: about like as an athlete, not as a human.
0: Yeah. for Yeah. And even as an athlete. Yeah. Like it, you know, the.
1: <laughs> and I mean, at this point, you know, Justin Matabike sacking 11 straight games. He's surging, high level, relentless, all those things Harbaugh used to say. Harbaugh said he's going to miss Keaton, of course. Harbaugh's words on Brock Purdy. What type of player is him? What do you see on film? Asked by our boy Cordell Woodland. With Purdy, I see a very good quarterback. He's playing at a high level, leading a high-level offense to great success. He's playing winning football and operates his style. He sees things. He gets the ball out quick. He can make every throw. He throws a beautiful ball, moves around the pocket, and scrambles when he needs to. Did he throws also throw in a,
0: a quote about uh, him being a good-looking guy, too? Because, I mean, Brock Purdy, little John Harbaugh.
1: Handsome handsome guy. That's the the end of the quote there. Very handsome guy. Kyle Hamilton. uh yeah, he was asked about, too, which, which I like this one a lot. You, I think it was a good question by Childs Walker. You talked about the 49ers, four all-pro caliber playmakers and how each one of those guys is a different kind of threat. Given that, how helpful is it to have a player like safety Kyle Hamilton that can be a different kind of defender on each series if you need him to be? Great question by Childs Walker. Well, we feel like the matchup against anybody, basically anybody, we like our players, we like our matchups, yada, 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 all that stuff. But I think that was a great question. And uh, just no concerns about Zay Flowers. Zay Flowers says he's good to go. Asked about being on the road on Christmas and things like that. They, they interviewed Jake Funk as well, uh, a little bit there in the transcripts if you want to check that out. If you want to read the transcripts and see everything, sometimes it can be hard to find the interviews. You can always just search on Google for the record, Baltimore Ravens transcripts, and you're able to go see everything word for word, and you can command F and search for whatever you're looking for, for, for those that are into that sort of sycophant stuff and read the interv- the transcripts like I do. But to pull it back,
0: Lamar Jackson, man. Is this a Superman game for him and do we want it to be? I think this is
1: I think this is the game he's wanted for a while. I think this is the the opportunity he's wanted. It's Monday night football on Christmas against a the team they're saying is better, that is favorited. And this is the opportunity to be the killer whale, the number one Apex Predator in the world this if the ravens win this game it's going to be is lamar jackson the number one quarterback in the nfl if they win this game it's going to be a split vote that i think goes his way and he wins mvp if they win this game and this is what people were saying wouldn't happen again that the ravens wouldn't be 11 and 3 again that he wouldn't and it's numbers and oh his touchdown rate and 36 touchdowns. But this wouldn't be the case. The Ravens wouldn't be on top. He wouldn't be the engine beating the best in the NFL again. He can't win the playoff games. All of those things. This is the the the, the last Mohican will be that he can't win playoff games in a Super Bowl. The what is it? What is the quote? The haters and doubters of which there are many. The haters
0: and losers of which there are many. Yeah.
1: Haters and losers of which there are many will have one remaining thing, and it's playoffs. This is the epitome of what people are saying he wouldn't return to. This is like the Marvel-esque game opportunity for him to return when he was at that Superman level. He was at that untouchable level, and people say he won't get back. There is the kryptonite. There is this, that, or the other. So this is the opportunity to return to that level in front of the biggest audience humanly possible. This is one of the most exciting regular season football games of all time not just Ravens, not just 49ers. Go look at Dv Aaron Schatz. He says this is the second highest DVOA matchup in cumulative DVOA outside of like the first 4 weeks, which, you know, teams have highs and lows whatever. This is the second best matchup ever aside from I think it was the 07 Colts and Patriots who were both 9 and 0. So, this is one of the best matchups ever. And why is it one of the best matchups ever? Because Lamar Jackson has returned. To take the Ravens to the top of the AFC, to try to lock up that one seed, and to do the things that you and I even might not have thought would be possible a year ago. Exactly at this point, one year ago today. So it's time.
0: And what I love too, and you know, we were going through the press conference stuff. There is the uh, I had a little fun with it on Twitter, obviously, but he gets asked about the. Uh, I think either the MVP or the Super Bowl or something of like that effect. And he says, "Say hey, the Super Bowl's in February. It's December right now. What were we talking about four years ago at this time? Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl. They're dancing around the field, big truss, all this stuff. It's he's just much more locked in, I think. And that was the uh the answer that really crystallized that for me. The guy is uh he has matured a lot, got a lot more money in the bank here, but I don't think it's really changed him for the worse. I think if anything, he's changed for the better. He's much more mature. I think he is much more I wouldn't say he's more locked in, but it just it just happens to you when you get a little bit older. You get a, a more of a sense of what's important, what's not, sifting through the BS. And I think he uh, he's peaking right now. And I think if he were to uh, go out there and win this one and look good, I think it really would kind of be a magnum opus for him. I know he's still got to go on to your point and win those playoff games and hopefully win a Super Bowl one day. But uh, this would be this would be a big uh, a big pelt to put on the wall. I think.
1: Yeah, this is a trophy that you hang up on that above that mantle. And I was talking with a buddy earlier today. He's a big Eagles fan. And he was talk, we were talking about Jalen Hurts' interviews and the way that he says those cliche phrases, those like Drake lines, that kind of stuff. And I, I made the comparison, and I've talked about it on this podcast, of I've talked about Russell Wilson's neutral thinking that I've talked about before. Always return to neutral, never too high, never too low. Shift the gear back in the middle. Don't be happy. Don't be sad. We see Jalen Hurts like score rushing touchdown and just – Nothing. Complete steel resolve. Russell Wilson in that same thing. I think Jalen Hurts subscribes to that neutral thinking in some capacity. Maybe it's not one to one, but I, got, I can get into a whole conversation about how we talk about deep balls and running the ball or play calls. That's the, that stuff is like not even what the players think about. They think about like deep seated mental shit because their bodies to them are robots. They are not robots, but their bodies are, and their mind is what makes or breaks at these highest levels. And Lamar Jackson, to get back to my point, is the antithesis of that. He doesn't give a shit about thinking, about neutral thinking, and that kind of stuff. So when he says, to your point, that comment, like you can hear the disgust in his voice. You can hear that he's saying that not as a Captain America quarterback statement. Super Bowl is played in February. He's dead ass serious. Like, I don't, he's basically saying, I don't give a boop about that. I don't care. Whatever you're talking about doesn't matter. I'm not doing this again. They probably look back on 2019 in such disgust of what they should have been and how they acted and what was. And to close out my kind of thoughts here and pass it back to you, I guess, and and we can do predictions and all that, but I think of the Ravens as we're getting towards the playoffs as a team that must, to achieve success at the highest levels, must have their heart broken time and time again. And I didn't know if there was enough scar tissue. And that's this is my stupid fan stuff. But I didn't know if there was enough scar tissue in that team, in this team, I should say. And 2019 is a pretty big scar. It's not Billy Cundiff. It's not Troy Polamalu pick six. That's a pretty big scar because they got embarrassed. And I know you did the the season in between '06 between the two Super Bowls there. That that team got embarrassed in a pretty similar fashion, I'd say, and hey, they didn't win a Super Bowl for six years later, but man, there's scar tissue, and I think that's what gets this Ravens team. I'm going to say, I'm going to get into my prediction. I think the Ravens win this game, and what gets them past that hurdle of into a championship game, playing for the possibility to get to a Super Bowl and maybe even a Super Bowl.
0: Love it. Yeah, I guess we can, uh, I guess we can go to predictions there. You, you've got it on the tip of your tongue. How about you throw it out there?
1: 49ers are going to make you pay. They're going to score touchdowns. They're going to catch you. I think that, like I said, I if I'm if I'm wagering what Kyle Shanahan's throwing from what I've seen so far, it's they're going to attack the linebackers. I think that, you know, they'll 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 do it all. They'll mix it up. They'll run. They'll throw their heavy run team. Yada, yada, yada. I think they're going to say, can Patrick Queen expand and cover Christian McCaffrey? Can Roquan Smith cover George Kittle? I think they're ready for that. To a degree. And hey, maybe McCaffrey, they really snake out into a deep route and Queen can't get there. Something like that. I think that's their, their big shot. Uh, I think that the Ravens are going to be so fired up for this game that they will be able to prevent getting destroyed on the ground. So I'm going to say the 49ers score two touchdowns and two field goals in this game and put up 20 points. I'll call it 19 and say they go for two and don't get it. Uh, something to that resolve. And they probably would get it in that circumstance. That's stupid. But I like the weird numbers as we always do. So I'm going to go 19. And I think that the Ravens are able to score two touchdowns and three field goals in this game and uh, be right around 21. I think this is going to be a very close game. I think the Ravens are able to move the ball. I think that Lamar Jackson is smart with the football. He made the dumbest mistake, arguably, of the season last week on that interception. And if there's one thing I know about him as a passer, it is that he will not do that two weeks in a row at this point where he is in his career i'm going to put faith into that in what i believe watching him all these years he is not going to throw a stupid interception two weeks in a row the 49ers do force force the most turnovers in the nfl but ravens arrested they had their bye they looked at this game ahead of time i can feel it i think we're ready and i think this is lamar jackson's statement that he is the king of the jungle here he's not the lion he's not the the Patrick Mahomes, but he's the real king of the jungle. He's the tiger.
0: I love it. Um, you got me fired up there. You got me tempted, uh, and it gives
1: do don't, me- don't did, 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 give, give it. Give me. Give me what you got. Give me what you feel. you yeah, know yeah. that gut. You know that gut's been good.
0: You temp- you tempted me, but I you know I'm gonna rein it back in a little bit. I've picked the Ravens to lose once this season. I was wrong. Uh, that Pittsburgh game going into it, everything in my in my head was telling me this is the game. This is the type of game that the Ravens are gonna drop. They did it, and against my better judgment, I had picked them to win that game, and you know, we know how that worked out. Since then, they've been steady as a drum, and it's been great. And what I'm expecting here is I'm going to go with the Ravens lose this one, but it's going to be close. They're going to put a lot of good stuff on tape. They're going to feel really good about themselves, and this is not the end if they lose this thing. I think if they lose this thing, honestly, it could prove to be a good motivating factor moving forward because you go up against a team that is the best in the league, in my opinion— You measure yourself up against them. I think it is going to be a heavyweight fight. I'm going to predict a field goal game here. Uh, 49ers win it 23 to 20. Um, And you walk out of it with your head held high. You fly back to the East Coast, and you've got two home games to close it out for the one seed. Um, And ultimately, I think I'm going to feel pretty good about the fact that they do if they're able to put up a a heavyweight-type performance and uh, have it come down to uh, the last decision there. So ultimately, I'm I'm going to pick the Ravens to lose 23 to 20. I hope on the incident analysis we're all drunk on the Brown stuff and you guys are laughing in my face because they won this thing. I think there's a a very real world where that happens. But uh, yeah, just as of right now, I'm looking at this as a measuring stick game and they'll feel good about their performance, even if it doesn't result in a win. So picking with my head, uh, Ravens lose this thing 23 to 20. But uh, like I said, not the end of the world.
1: I love it. And the reason I think this game is so close is because I I watched that Cardinals game and some of those Seahawks games. And Shanahan is so good, and and maybe he gets – I'll say the 49ers win if they get the Ravens to blow a coverage for a big play, whether it's a touchdown or not. I'll I'll even go as far as maybe to say for a touchdown twice. The Jaguars got them to do it one time. And like like we said in the, the instant analysis and the jumbo set, it was such a shock to see the Ravens blow a coverage. And I think that shock comes at a perfect time. And that's why I have some faith in this defense to make this game. And if the Ravens do what I think they're going to do, and maybe there's a little more fan taking over of me, but I do really feel good about this game for the Ravens. But that's what the Ravens used to do. They used to have Ray Lewis and Ed Reed. And in these moments, they used to hit you so hard for for so long under the brightest lights that you would tap out and you would quit. And that's why they were that team that Ben Affleck goes not the fucking Ravens when they win to beat the Broncos to go play the Patriots in the AFC Championship. That's why people said not the fucking Ravens. The 49ers are incredibly physical, especially offensively. But man, you paid the right guy for this moment in Roquan Smith. And less like I think maybe he gets picked on, him and Queen, whatever. Happened to Ray Lewis at times. But I think you pick the right guy and the right coordinator and the right type of Kyle Hamiltons and Marlon Humphreys and Brandon Stevens for this type of heavy-hitting matchup. And I'm kind of making this based on I will give my, my, uh, my disclaimer is that if Javon Hargrave and or Eric Armstead play in this game and are somewhat healthy, I think the 49ers do win. That's the determining factor in why I think the Ravens win. I just don't think the 49ers defensive line is deep enough. The Cardinals were a little bit out of it, and maybe the 49ers didn't really care with the Ravens coming to town. Kyler Murray averaged eight yards a carry. James Conner averaged six yards a carry. Amari DiMercato averaged 16 yards a carry. Michael Carter averaged nine yards a carry. Even Greg Dorch had a carry for five yards. So a better defense than that that doesn't blow coverages, and I think the Ravens are going to try to run the ball through the gates of hell in the Bay Area out there in Santa Clara and I'm fired up for this one man I am already ready to go this this ho- my christmas is kind of already ruined just because I want this so bad and it's going to take so long to get there
0: yeah i mean these guys to your point like they're going to fucking rally around Roquan Smith i'm expecting a lot of videos to come out in the pregame of him just spewing spittle and just fucking putting the fear of god or not even the fear of god but just the the righteous fucking let's go forth and take this thing uh, into those guys, uh, all of them, not just the defense, and I think they're going to have a plan. They're going to go out there, and they're going to execute it. Like I said, predicting a loss, but honestly, it's the when you get in close games like this and you get in heavyweight battles, you know, everyone wants to laugh at momentum and you know the not. I mean, not everyone, but the nerds like to laugh at momentum and they like to laugh at the intangibles. But if you've ever played a fucking sport or been on a team and you're pursuing a common goal and you're trying to go and do something that you think is important to you, that can provide an extra egg in a game like this. So if they are to go out there and win it, I think uh, rallying around key guys like a Roquan Smith and like a John Harbaugh, who I think is going to be critical in this one as well, is going to be a big part of it.
1: I agree fully. And man, couldn't ask for a better matchup on Christmas night. The Ravens have had some heartbreakers on Christmas, and hopefully Lamar Jackson's the difference maker there. So we appreciate you guys. If you've been listening, if you've been watching, like and subscribe. I think this was probably our best preview we've done this year. Definitely all, I I'd say it. all
0: time. I think this is the best of all time.
1: Love it. Best of all time. Hopefully the Ravens have a best of all time game. And hopefully they are the, the Ravens of past met with the Ravens of present, to speak of the the ghosts, and are able to use this game to go propel themselves into January and February and conquer the future. That's how this game hopefully goes. And man, what a fun one it's going to be. So I'm fired the hell up to watch this as a fan. As an analyst, I think the Ravens have a good chance. And let's do it, man. I'm go, freaking
0: pumped. go Go pull that sword from the stone and advance time seven years and become an adult. Go do it. It's time. Okay. Is that all we got? That's all we got. Okay. Well, we appreciate you guys listening. Like I said, I think this was, uh, our best preview ever and, uh, hopefully we'll have uh, plenty more for you to go in this coming year. going to have at least three and, uh, they've been incredibly fun to do. So we appreciate all the interaction and everything. Hope you appreciate the uh, new bells and whistles we put in place here. To, hopefully going to be doing more of that going forward. Um, and yeah, in the meantime, follow us on YouTube, uh, subscribe, like comment on all the videos, get the algorithm pumping for us. Follow us on social media, exit 52 podcast on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. I am at Jake Luke. He is Spencer Schultz, and his at is at Ravens Four Dummies. That is the number four. Shout out to all our presenting sponsors: Jimmy's Famous Seafood, Black Eyed Susan Spices, Fed Thrill. You can follow the other schmucks at Barstool Banks at Eric uh, or at E D I T T I twenty two. Taylor is at Taylor Smythe ten. Thanks again for listening, and we'll talk to you guys on Christmas night. Merry Christmas! See you.